Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, the station that beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Halakha, the religious music. This is Rabbi Albaz from SLC, and I'm going to talk about Parashat Vaishlah, which we read yesterday. Somewhere in the middle of the parasha, we have a story about Dina, the daughter of Yaakov. Now, the, door, the Torah does not specify how old was Dina at this particular moment, but we can imagine she must have been very young. She couldn't have been that old. And as young as she was, she was kidnapped. She was kidnapped by none other than the prince himself. His name was Shechem. He had the same name as the city. The city, city's name was Shechem. His name was Shechem. He kidnapped her and he forced himself on her in every way, as Rashi says. So, no one in the city had actually dared to say anything. They didn't bring him to justice, after all. This is a, this is a, a very serious matter a matter of rape of a young girl. But they ignored it. But then, you know, they came and they, afterwards, then they, they say to the Yaakov uh, uh, children, you know what? Let's be friends. Let's us ma- marry your daughters. And we'll give you our daughters. Let's be all one, one group, uh, one people. Now, we know that Abraham Avinu made sure that when he sent Eliezer to bring a bride for his son Isaac, he told him, not from the Benot Kanani, not from the Canaanite girls. Now, this man, Shechem, was a Hivi, Hivite, but it's all the same. They were of the Abdazara and they were very depraved and corrupt people, Mushhatim, in their ways and behaviors. Ishak and Rivka Imenu also told Yaakov, don't take from the girls here, go to Haran from my family. Obviously, it's not a, this is not a, even he wants to marry her, but they, they don't want to marry someone or go from the Khanet who are completely corrupt. So they came up, they, they said, okay, let's be friends. Then the the, the uh, children of Yaakov, they realized that this is a re a, a, a It's an outrage. It's a shame. It's an insult, you know, to the great Yaakov. Yaakov was known as a, a very very important person, a very dignified personality. But Yaakov's sons were not really ready for warfare, so they developed a plot. So you know what. We'll agree. We'll be all one people, marry daughters, and our daughters, you may our daughters, no, fine, but one condition. All males must undergo the Mila, the Brit Mila. It would be a disgrace for our daughters to marry men without the Mila. So this is the condition. Okay, but they agreed. The thing is, what was the, the plan that they had in their mind? Their plan was 
if they have a Mila, on the third day, when they are weak, they'll come in and they'll go to the palace and just take out their daughter, their sister. That was really their, their, that, that's their, their, their plan. According to some commentators, that is their plan. But if they resist and they don't let them take their sister, then they have to fight back. And they did. And they wiped out the whole town. Fine. The question now is, how come they asked them to have a Brit Mila? I mean, if the whole idea is to weaken them, weaken them in a different way. Tell them, listen, you know, you want us to be with you as one people? I want you to fast for the next two, three days. They'll be weak. They'll go in. They'll take out the system. Or lay down your arms for a while. There are all kinds of dozens of ways they can, they can use in order to weaken them. But they chose only that they should convert. With the Milan, they become like Jews. Why? I'm going to tell you a, a story that happened in the year 2000. It's not this is a true story because I actually witnessed it. I remember. On September 2000, started the horrible Intifada, which lasted for three years. And the Palestinians, the Mahshimam, suicides, they killed innocent Israelis, men, women, children, they didn't care. But there was one incident, and it was reported in the New York Times, in the Associated Press, and major other media outlets. And in that incident, they published a picture of a young man who looked terrified, blooded, and battered, kneeling down on the floor with blood flowing, and an Israeli soldier right behind him brandishing a club, a billy club, like a big stick. And the camp, the caption implied that, hey, he's a Palestinian youth, a victim of the riots, and, at, and the soldier was standing up there, beating him up. That was the intent of the picture. I remember that picture myself. The world was in shock, outraged at the sight of this poor teen Palestinian with blood flowing from his head. Unbelievable. It was for a couple of days. It was going all over the world. How could an Israeli soldier take a poor, young, teenager Palestinian with a club behind him, beating him up? But a couple of days later, the victim's identity was revealed. There was a man by the name of Dr. Aharon Grossman, who was a religious Jew. He wrote a letter to New York Times their whole picture and the caption was a farce. It was a fiasco. It was a lie. It was not a Palestinian Arab. That was his own son, Tuvia Grossman. And he had been beaten 
by the Palestinian Arabs. And the soldier holding the club was actually trying to protect him from the mob. All of a sudden, the outrage stopped. The brutal attack from the Palestinians towards this young man was ignored. You never heard anything about, oh, this horrible, this brutal, ruthless Palestinian beating up a Jew. That you don't hear. All you hear is when the pal when they thought it was Palestinian, yeah, a goy, mm, a Jew, Malishi, doesn't matter. Wow. You didn't hear anything. The world was not furious about the beating of the Jew. No. By the way, since then, there was a a a, a website called honestreporting.com. And they, they actually look at the reportings that they have. Uh, against Israel and try to verify them and they will usually publish uh, reasons why it was false. But here's, here's how we can answer the question. The question was, why ask them to convert? Weaken them in a different way. I heard from the name of Rabbi Yonatan Eipschutz who lived 300 years ago. Gaon Adir. Great, great, great scholar. He says, Yaakov children, they knew something which is probably as relevant today as it was then. The city of Shechem was a city of Goyim. Okay. If the Bnei Israel will come and wipe out a city of Goyim, the world will be in an uproar. Everybody will be against them. Why? Kill Goyim. No good. What's the answer? Make it a Jewish city. Eh, no one would care. Just like the Jewish teenager. No one cared. It's unfortunate. But it is the truth. It's happening. It's been happening a lot. And this is why they insisted on converting them. Having the Brit Mila. Abutai, we have one way to combat and to fight all these falsities and all these untruths. The Gemara says, Hakol kol Yaakov yede esav. These are two separate expressions and they are mutually exclusive. When one is present, the other one is absent. So the Gemara says, Keshe hakol kol Yaakov when you have one to call Yaakov, then there is no Yadayim which means the following. When we have the sound of the Torah, the fulfillment of mitzvot, and the yeshivot, and the batiknesiyot, and in, in all uh, the Talmud Torah, and all places, he says, then the, 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 the hands of Esav will be weakened. And they won't be able to stand against us. That's what we have to do. When we have Kol Koyakov, that will bring us closer, much closer to the days of the Mashiach Sitkenu. Now, on this idea of the Mashiach, I would like to bring up an interesting note 
from this parasha and the next parasha. In this parasha, as I mentioned before, we told you about the story of Dina. Now, this story comes in smack in the middle of the, the story of uh, Yaakov and, and his sons, you know, right in the middle of nowhere. But they said, you know, but they, all of a sudden you have, but right there, and all of a sudden, a little uh, passage there about Dina. Why? Why was it put it there for? Really, it does not add anything to the actual story. <clears throat> Similarly, <clears throat> next week, <clears throat> right in the middle of the story, over there, and by Yeshua, by Yosef, and so on, they told us a story about Yehuda encountering Tamar, and, you know, a whole story about him uh, uh, consorting with her, and uh, the, uh, what, what, what happened afterwards, and he gave her some kind of a mashkon, uh, and then afterwards, you know, she told me it was you, and so on, and then she had twins, and one of them was Peretz. That, you know, something like this is really unpleasant. By today's standards, it's not uh, it's not something acceptable, but it's there in the Torah. Why? Smack in the middle of the story. What for? Well, let me tell you. The Midrash says that from this union of Dina and Shechem, who was the prince, Unfortunately, it came out a girl. A girl was born. And this girl, obviously, when the children of Israel, the Bnei Israel, the Bnei Shevatim, they, they know what to do. I mean, uh, it reminds them of that whole horrible story of Dina. And they didn't want to keep her. <clears throat> According to the Midrash, they actually put her somewhere in the market, and the malach came. The malach took it, took the basket, and put it by the door of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife was barren. They took her in, and they called her Asnat. That's what Asnat by Potiphar. What happened later on was when Yosef at Sadiq became the viceroy. And obviously he wanted to get married. But just before that, when they were parading him, it was customary in those days for women to throw jewelry at him, something, something of, of value to show the, uh, the, the importance of the, uh, the person. And uh, Asnat was there. She didn't have any jewel on her. So she took a kamiya, an amulet, that Yaakov Avinu had put on her, and it was written in there that she is the daughter uh, of uh, Leah and the granddaughter of Yaakov Avinu. So when Yosef at Sadiq was looking through the jewelry, he saw this kamiya, this amulet, opened it, looked at it, and he saw that this is his niece. Then he married her. After all, Yosef at Sadiq was not going to get married to some pagan 
woman. So he married her. She was at least from the family, from Dina. What happened? Well, you know that in the future, the ulam, you know, we have like the when we have the days of the Mashiach, according to the Midrash, there's going to be first a Mashiach bin Yosef and then a Mashiach bin David. Now, there are different opinions as to what the function of the Mashiach bin Yosef will be. But certainly, he'll pave the way for the Mashiach bin David. He will be here. He'll fight some wars, but he will be killed. And eventually, Mashiach bin David will succeed him and will be the the, the actual uh, Mashiach Tzidkenu. So, these two stories were put in there to tell us, as the Rambam says, every day we have to say, Ani ma'amin Mashiach. We have an obligation to believe 100% that the Mashiach will be here. We, we, we pray and hope they'll be here tomorrow. We don't know. It's up to us. But these two stories here have to do with the Mashiach. Because from this union of Dina and Shechem came this girl that Yosef at Sadiq married and eventually there will be Mashiach bin Yosef from him. From the story that we have by Yehuda and Tamar, Yehuda and Tamar, what we have? They were twins. One of them was Peretz. Peretz was the great-great-grandfather of David Melech. And David Melech is the king whose descendant eventually will have the Mashiach bin David. From these two stories that seem almost irrelevant, extremely irrelevant, now we have the two Mashiachs that are going to be coming from them. Very important. I was told once a little story about uh, a certain hacham in Lakewood who was carrying with him a briefcase all the time. All, all day, a certain, whatever he goes, he has a briefcase with him. Finally, when somebody asked him, why do you have this briefcase? What's in there? Why, why is it so important? He said to them, in here, I have a special outfit special garment that I'm going to wear when the Mashiach comes and says since I believe he may come any day I carry the briefcase with me just as can when he's here I'll be able right away to put this special uh, uh, robe or special garment you see Rabotai how much the belief of the Mashiach is it's not something simple it's, it's, it's a one of the 13 emunot that the Rabbam Shalom has put down. If we do believe in his swift arrival, and if we actually go ahead and we have kol Yaakov, hakol kol Yaakov, then Be'ezat Hashem will be zochet to have Mashiach Sitkenu Amen very quickly. Rabbi let me just remind you, this is a great station here. 
The benefit of this station to our community is very, very great. And if you can, please try to help as much as you can so we can keep it alive. Also, I want to remind you that uh, we have a, a beautifully renovated social hall downstairs for all kinds of semahot, weddings, bar mitzvah, brit milah, whatever. And if you are interested, please call us. We'll be very happy to accommodate you. Shavua Tov. Shalom Aleichem. <laughs>